0: Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts souls and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grip Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with my new friend Trisha, who is a life coach out of Texas. Welcome, Trisha.
1: Thank you. Hello. And thank you for having me on your podcast. First, let me just say the name Soul Great Grit of your podcast is so intriguing to me. And I love that you introduce your podcast, describing it as the intersection of mental health and Christian faith, because that's exactly my life's passion now to talk about integrating brain science and biblical faith. So I'm excited to talk with you about that today and to be here with your audience.
0: Well, thank you so much. I know like we chatted briefly on Facebook messenger and we figured out we're kind of doing similar work in different uh, with, with different background, you know, but what was really funny and I'll tell the listeners this, when we k- came on the screen here for the zoom call, we have like almost the same hairstyle, the same wall color and the same like picture frame collage in the background. So it's like, we're twins yes, and now best friends. That's awesome. you're doing the Texas life coach thing. And I'm doing the California therapist thing, but we're on the same track of wanting people to understand how their brains work and how God redeems those things, the brokenness in our life to be able to, um, create health and redemption and transformation. So, um, the reason I asked you to come on today, Trisha, is because you have a really, um, a impactful story about your marriage and your husband and, um, I guess usually when we have a situation like this, what we're going to talk about today, we like to do a trigger warning. This is maybe something um, the therapy community does more than just the average community. But just to let everyone know that's listening right now, we are going to be talking about suicide. And Trisha has told me she's not going to provide any details. It's not going to get gory or anything like that. But we do want you to know before you listen, or you might be listening with kids around that this is the topic of the discussion today. So if there is any kind of sensitivity that you have because of your history or your family members or anything like that, or you're not ready to talk about that with your kids, maybe save this for a later time. Awesome. So Tricia, tell us your story. Tell, give us the broad strokes of your story.
1: Well, first, if I can just give you a little bit of background, I have been what they call a Christian in the womb, right? A cradle Christian (laughs) Um, grew up in the church. um, So gave my life to Christ at a very, very early age, have been following him, had my time where I walked away from him and tried to figure out life on my own. Um, But he gently um, and purposefully pursued my heart back to him. So Uh, First, let me say, I am, so I am a believer. I am a lover and follower of Jesus. I'm also a speaker um, and I'm a life coach, as you mentioned, for Christian women. And I'm the host of the Another Beautiful Life podcast. And so I've spent most of my life in women's ministry, teaching Bible study and mentoring women, volunteering and raising three beautiful children who are adults now, two which are married. Um, and I'm a widow, which leads us into the rest of my story and why I'm on your podcast today. So here's a very concise version of the backstory, and then we can dig in wherever you'd like to and go forward from there. Okay, great. Uh, so in 2012, my husband began debil- um, experiencing debilitating back pain in his lower back. And he had five major surgeries in five years, which included a laminectomy, a replacement of cages and several fusions all the way down to his sacrum. Okay. And every surgery seemed to have left him worse off than before. And then in 2017, the neurosurgeon finally told him that there was nothing more to be done. And that he'd be on pain management for the rest of his life. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So up to that point, he had lost a significant amount of weight and was unable to do most of the things that he loved doing, even sitting for any period of time was uncomfortable for him. Mm -hmm. Um, So he lost himself and uh, became hopeless
0: was the back problem due to an
1: injury or like how did he develop this condition? Right. So he was a he played football in high school. Mm-hmm. And he was also a weightlifter in college, but we feel like it's probably there wasn't a particular injury that happened. So it could have been just some sort of genetic okay. degenerative condition. Okay. Um, so yeah, so nothing not like an accident or something that happened, just it was kind of progressive. Um, but then in August of 2017, um, there was one day, um, he experienced more pain in his body other than just the pain that he was feeling on a chronic basis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was just overwhelming for him and he took his life Mm -hmm. that day. Okay. So after his suicide, I found myself in despair and overwhelm and vulnerability. Like I had never experienced before. And I had no idea how I would go on much, much less believe that I could live a life of joy again. And honestly, I didn't want to go on, mm-hmm. but God met me there in the midst of the darkness and despair and whispered, Tricia, you can have another beautiful life. And it may not look like the life you hoped or dreamed before, but it can be beautiful and it can be good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the therapist in me wants to ask, like, did you, was there depression or anxiety that accompanied the physical pain that he was experiencing? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was that raising your kids? And and so your kids were probably, you know, teens or adults Mm -hmm. when that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, how was that raising them with the, um, a partner who's, you know, just experiencing that debilitating depression and physical condition.
1: Well, for anyone who's had chronic pain, you know, that when you're experiencing that, that's literally all you can attend to. That is, that is your focus. Uh, You know, how am I going to get through the day? Um, How am I going to get through the moment? And so when that happens, Um, and you can't attend to anything else. It affects everything. It affected our marriage. Um, we used to have date nights all the time. It's something we couldn't do any longer. Even when we had conversations, um, they were around his pain, right. And how a lot of times we were trying to figure out how, uh, we were going to manage the pain that he was in, but what was next, right. So we're always exploring what's next, uh, to alleviate that pain. Um, so our conversations really always centered around his pain. Um, and then his relationship with his kids kind of became the same thing. He was unable to really attend to them and, and their specific needs or the things that were going on in their life. Because again, he was so self-focused and it's not a condemnation. It just is what it is. This is what happens right when you're in chronic pain. So. Um, it affected every area of our life. It affected our friendships because we no longer could go out and be with friends or hang out with friends for very long. Um, when we, uh, I took the kids on trips by myself. Um, the kids love to go skiing or they love to go, you know, to the beach somewhere. Um, and I ended up taking the kids by myself and he would stay home. You had to, right? Yeah. Yeah. He could, he, he couldn't, I mean, there was even a time where my youngest was, um, he's a missionary in Japan now, Mm -hmm. a lifetime missionary, but at the time he was there for school for an exchange program and the whole family, we all wanted to go, but Mm -hmm. Brian couldn't go Mm because he could not make that 14 hour trip on the, on the plane. Right. And so he had to stay home. Mm -hmm. So it, yes, it affected every single part of our life. It's overwhelming and consuming. Yeah. Did it come as a surprise
0: to you? Did you know he was
1: at that point? I want to say, well, yes and no. He had, he had made mention, you know, like, oh, I just, this is ridiculous. I am the shell of a man that I've been before. I, you know, I don't have everything that I could offer you as a husband or my kids, I, it, it, he knew, mm-hmm. he, he knew that his, that he was changed. His life was changed mm-hmm. and how he was showing up in our, in our family had changed. And with the depression, of course, he's thinking everyone would be better. off. I'm a burden. Everyone would be better off without me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, he would, mentioned those things over the course of five years. We would always talk about them. He was also seeing a therapist. So Mm -hmm. I was always hopeful that those things were being taken care of and that we were talking through them and that, you know, I was always open to hear that without condemnation, without freaking out or having anxiety myself, just really open to the conversation. I knew that as long as we were talking about it Mm -hmm. and we were, we were in a better place, right. Than if we were not talking about it and he was just holding that in. So, um, when I say, no, I'm not surprised it's, it's because the conversation had come over, come up over the course of the five years. Um, was I surprised that he did? Absolutely was surprised that he did absolutely shocked that he did. Um, which what a dichotomy, right? Yes, I right. believe that he yes. And then sh- absolutely shocked. So um here's the thing. And this is one of the things that I want to talk to you, especially your audience. You have an audience of, of Christians, right? Of people, believers of faith. And here's what is so I think was so shocking to me. And that is that I married this man that was um type A strong independent entrepreneur, just brilliant, owned his own business. Um, and he was strong spiritually. He loved Jesus. He was in the word every day. He prayed. He had just such a gratitude. When, when you heard him pray, it was so much gratitude. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and when he prayed, he prayed for other people, right. Um, he was just such a man of faith and beautiful spirituality and, um, and he, and just strong mentally, right. And strong. When I met him, he was that weightlifter and he was wrestling. He was just this big, strong man. Physically, yes. he was a strong man. So to, to know him that way, and then to see him be so broken and in despair and hopelessness
0: mm-hmm.
1: that he was able to take his life. Because, and you and I know that we have innately, we have that, that in our primal brain, it's the fight to survive. Right. We have that thing within us that makes us want to fight to Mm -hmm. live. Mm -hmm. And then there must be something so overwhelming, dark, deceiving, even um, that could possibly overcome that which is innate in us to survive for him to be able to take his life. Yeah. It's just such a, it's, it's such a fascinating thing to me, which actually threw me into trying to learn about that cognitive relationship of the brain and the body in order to understand how my physically strong and physically, spiritually, or, spiritually strong Christian husband could take his own life. And that's when I came across something that changed my life. And that is neuroplasticity. Yeah.
0: Well, I do want you to talk about that for a second, but let me just back up. And I think that maybe my question were, were you surprised is maybe, maybe I didn't word that correctly because I want to, I want to say like, of course you knew where he was at. So that's not surprising, but but to have that happen in, in his life is shocking, you know, yes. and, and just such a tragedy. But I do talk frequently with people, both people who are experiencing suicidal ideation, having those thoughts of wanting to die, um, as well as people who have loved ones that have gone through that, that it really is like a different uh, it's almost like a different mind takes over because we do have that natural will to survive. Like none of us wants to um, entertain the idea of being dead. If you, if you have that, then it's almost like there's this different, um different part that comes over you. And it's like you said, becomes so overwhelming in your brain that it, it's not you anymore. And that, might sound weird depending on your Christian beliefs. And so it's not, I'm not saying that you became possessed or anything like that, but uh, you've just gone to this different place in your mind where you're not able to make clear decisions. You really truly believe that people in your life would be better off without you and that you're doing them a service by removing yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that in my, in my search to understand, Uh, one thing that I I found was that chronic pain literally changes the gray matter in your brain, right? right? It literally changes your brain. So, I don't know how I haven't even, you know, if I had time to go back and get some sort of neuroscience degree, I probably would. Cause I'm nerding out over it big time, but yeah. you know, to be able to understand how is it that something like chronic pain could change the brain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that's, it's, it's kind of, when you say something has taken over, something has changed you, it literally has changed. Yeah. It literally has changed the neural pathways with which you are able to even put, um, you know, thoughts together that make sense. And it's, it's like the chaos, right? The order of chaos that just literally makes things go in a completely different direction where they would have gone normally, right? So I understand when you're saying you become a different, it is true. It's true. Your brain has literally been rewired. And I think for him, and I can't say for everyone, but I think for him, it was that neur- those neural patterns, those messages that he was entertaining constantly mm-hmm. that created that new neural pathway that made him able to go down that road of thinking about the ideation, then planning out and then literally giving himself to it. Um, and I think it was progressive. I think it was, um, you know, it's, it's this messaging that we entertain all the time, which is why now as a life coach, I'm so, it's so important to me to get into people's just like, for you dig into people's brains to let's expose and let's have the awareness to understand where we are living in these lie-based beliefs. Where are we, the story that we're telling ourselves, which are just the thoughts, the story that we're telling themselves, are they lies or are they truth? Can we, can we look at just universal truths like gravity, right? Just general truths and compare it also to Um, the word of, of God. And if Jesus was sitting right there, would he say the same things to you? Like, we need to understand that we have these stories that we just believe that are true, that we've been believing sometimes since we were little children. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't even question them because we've been believing them for so long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're operating out of that today. So I feel like his, you know, what I'm understanding about his suicide is, one, it's not anything that we could ever truly understand. We could talk to people who survived suicide, right. Who actually did not complete suicide. Um, but we could kind of get into their brain a little bit that it was not a successful suicide. Um, but you know, other than that, we don't really understand what has actually happened in that brain that has, that get got him to a place mm-hmm. that he was able to actually do that but i know that something neurologically did happen yes. to allow that to happen yes yes So you mentioned neuroplasticity
0: and we've talked about that a couple of times here on the podcast. It really um, plasticity refers to that flexibility that your brain has to grow and change down to that like um, anatomical, like cellular level. Mm-hmm. And your thoughts are actually, they actually take up space in your brain. They're actually physical matter that changes in your brain. So, um, nerd out on us for a little bit here, yeah. Tricia, and tell us what you have learned, um, in broad strokes about neuroplasticity since this yeah. happened.
1: No, I love that because, um, first I want to just, you know, because I'm all about brain science and biblical faith, I always love to start with the fact that in Romans 12 to, yep. God tells us to have our minds transformed and it's for two reasons. One, we're likely to need to have our minds transformed and two, they can be transformed. Yeah. So the very interesting thing about neuroplasticity, yes, they used to think that the mind was set by puberty. You were done, right? There was That's no right. more changes in your personality or, you know, but what we're understanding about neuroplasticity is it happens Uh, Up until your last breath, your brain is continuously being wired and rewired. Mm -hmm. And it is due to just the ideas, the thoughts that you are believing that you are entertaining in your life. And the exciting thing for me is that if it's been uh, wired in a certain way due to dysfunction, Mm -hmm. abuse, right? Neglect these hard things in life, or even something like chronic pain. Um, If that's the case and it has been wired because of that way, then it can be rewired or unwired, right? Rewired to think in a different way a different way. And we never thought about that before. We never understood that that was even possible before. So we just thought, oh, well, this is just how I am. This is how I've always been. Right. I always have the fiery, hot red personality, even if I'm not Italian, right? Like this is just who I am, but it's not, you are a product of your environment and your experiences and your perception of those experiences. Because we also know that you could have Multiple siblings in a household with the same environment, same parents, same upbringing, same uh, structure and boundaries and discipline. And they both come out of that in their adulthood thinking their lives were completely different. Their household, one says, My household was totally dysfunctional. It was dysfunctional, right? There were so many restrictions. It was just awful. Um, And then the other sibling, says, Oh, it was wonderful. We had so much freedom. There was so much love. I mean, so how is that possible? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's possible because we are able to have our own in those experiences, have our own perception of each individual experience. And whether that's right or wrong depends on how our, our patterns of thinking move Mm -hmm. along in our life. Right. So what we like to do. And of course I learned a lot about this from uh, when I was in therapy, right after Brian's um, passing, I uh, got into therapy and started doing EMDR, mm-hmm. which is a really originally created as you know, and probably your listeners know for military that were coming back veterans that had PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to understand that you could have these heightened emotions um, that, and then the perceptions of those were created out of the primal brain, which didn't, that was just our, you know, amygdala and it, it's, it doesn't have the logic and reasoning that's our survival, um, part of our brain. Right. So, um, that's where all the, our perceptions were created, especially, you know, pre adolescent um before that prefrontal cortex while it's still mushy up there mm-hmm. and it's not fully developed um, then we get all our perfe- perceptions based on emotion an emotion out of an experience. Mm-hmm. But as we know, as we get older and we have the prefrontal cortex, which is our executive brain, and that's where our logic and reasoning comes from, if we're able to, and this is what EMDR does, if we're able to integrate that logic and reasoning with that emotional um, experience, then we're able to bring a wholeness to that experience, which allows us to bring again, the logic and reasoning as an adult to those heightened emotions that we had to that experience. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take away the experience. It doesn't make it go away. It just brings us to a real, like the, now the emotions don't create anxiety in us. Don't make us in that fight, flight, or freeze. You know, we literally can have more of a, a calm centered, Mm -hmm. neutral feeling to that. Yes, it still happened. Yes. It may have been horrific. Yes. It may never have, should have happened, but now you're not overcome by the emotion. You've got logic and reasoning. So that's what I love about, you know, integrating even brain science and biblical faith is being able to say, look, yes, you have these, these emotions, you have this experience Um, let's bring the logic and reasoning, but let's bring in biblical understanding to it too. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you know and believe as a Christian? And a lot of times what I find with my clients is that they'll have all the intellectual knowledge just hasn't gotten deep down into the core of their belief system yet. Mm -hmm. And out of our belief system is where our thoughts are formed. Out of our belief system is where everything that we're, we're truly believing is coming out in our thoughts. And then again, from those thoughts are coming, our feelings. And as we feel a certain way, we act a certain way. Or don't act a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. Ways that we like or we don't like. And then out of those actions, we have the particular results that we do in our life. So I love the fact that if our brain is able to rewire, we get all that dysfunction, all that anxiety, all the things that come up from the past that we're living in today. And sometimes again, we don't even realize that we had an experience as a child mm-hmm. that is affecting us today right? We can't, we have, we can't figure out why we're out in a rainstorm driving in a rainstorm and we're having a panic attack. And it could be that we had an experience as a child, right? That has this heightened emotion attached to rainstorms, right? Or something like that. So being able to understand where we've been in the past and then bring logic and reasoning of the, of the executive brain to it today gives us that integration and allows us to have um, a real understanding of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah and so so just to point out for listeners you've probably heard us talk about EMDR multiple times on the podcast and I haven't done an episode on that yet but Rest assured that is coming and probably be more than one episode actually. And then we're going to talk about brain spotting as well and other trauma treatment modalities. So, uh, just hold tight. We are going to talk more about that so that you know, um, what, what we're talking about when that gets mentioned on the podcast here. Um, so that's a good reminder. I need to get that episode out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I also, I like to describe to, uh, people that neuroplasticity, a really good way to understand it is that the more you think a thought, the deeper the rut becomes in your brain. So if you think about like a hill of dirt and you pour water down it, like you're making mud pies in the backyard as a child and you're pouring water over this hill of dirt And you notice that the water continues to fall down the same path because it's the path of least resistance at this point. And the rut becomes deeper and deeper. This is how we get, you know, the Grand Canyon or other geological features is water going in the same path over and over and over again until it deepens that rut. And what happens that we know now with neuroplasticity is that you can actually challenge where that water's going to flow down. You can redirect it. You can dam up that one side and force it to go in a different direction. And it's like your, your mind, like that, um, the mental emotional part working with the biological part to change the biological structure so that your mind can think different thoughts. And it's, it really is amazing that, you know, God created this and he wrote about it 2000 years ago. And, and now we get to actually understand a little bit more of
1: how that works. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. I do love that. And, um, and I talk a lot about the neural ruts with my clients, um, and those patterns of thinking and how literally, like we said, even if, you know, the brain cannot help, but make a pivot when it's given new information, right. And the brain of course is, uh, motivated, motivated, it's got a, a motivational triad. And the first one is to um, seek pleasure. The second is to avoid pain. And the third is to operate in efficiency or go to that path of least resistance. Like you were talking about not exert extra energy. So the very fact that that's what our brain always wants to do, I, you know, I liken it to getting in the car, you're driving home you know, from a familiar location, maybe from work to home and you can't figure out how, but you just pulled into your driveway and you don't remember that, that drive at all. Well, that's the beautiful work of our brain right there. It's not expending a lot of energy. It's it's automated. It's automated. Uh, It's autopilot. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what our brain wants to do autopilot. So if you've been entertaining this thought for a long time, especially something that's a pattern or message that you you've been believing or telling yourself, even as a child, it is just autopilot. It's exactly what your brain is going to offer up every time. And when you get into a situation that looks familiar to your brain, it's going to go, oh, we know what to do here. We know how to think here. We know how to respond here. Let me offer this up. And if, and, and that's why it's like, well, why do I always do this? Why do I keep doing this? Right. Why is, why do I always keep saying that? Why is, why do I just open my mouth and just do it? It's because your brain thinks that's what is, is keeping you safe. So again, the motivational try to, I'm going to do whatever the pattern is that we've always done before, because your brain thinks it's, it's just keeping you safe because that's the motivation of those three is that ultimately to keep you safe. So if I'm just offering up the same thing, then you're going to stay safe. Now, the brain doesn't understand because it's just like a machine. It doesn't understand that even if it's keeping you safe, it might think it's keeping you safe, but it's also keeping you miserable, right? And, it's, and you're living in suffering, but your brain doesn't know that right? It just knows that if you're alive today and we've been doing the same thing all these years, then it must be okay because you're still alive. And that's its job is to keep you alive, right? So, so all we have to do is to understand that, you know, our soul is created of the mind, the will, and our emotions. They're all three separate things. And if we can remember that we have this mind, that's like a machine and we can start to understand how our mind works, that it's not trying to sabotage us. It's just trying to keep us safe. Right. And, and it's not going to work, want to work very hard. It's going to want to stay that lazy brain. And, and sometimes again, driving home from one place to another is just fine. But when you need to get out of patterns that are negative and are, des- are destroying your life mm-hmm. and making you miserable, you've got to use your will to instruct your brain what to do. And again, once you introduce new information and new, um, something new for the brain to consider, it's going to make that pivot automatically. It just, it's what it does. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you and I, when we were talking about this earlier is asking really good questions is all I need to do is interrupt. Yeah make a disruption in the patterns that you've already been thinking and give Mm -hmm. you something new to consider. And the brain wants to do two things all the time. It is in the subconscious. It's always trying to answer questions and solve problems. Mm -hmm. So if all I do is pose to you a new perspective or something to consider, your brain goes, hmm, and that's a pivot. It's already made a pivot. And if we continue to entertain that new perspective and those new ideas and let the brain come up with new solutions and new uh, answers to the problem, then those become the new neural ruts in our brain. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've just um, come across and I haven't studied a whole lot, and you probably could um, weigh in on this and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it, but I've learned that if, if you quit allowing or entertaining or bringing up, you know, um, that, that one neural pathway that the brain literally will snip it off, like prune it off. Like it won't even be something that you can't, you could, um, uh, access any longer.
0: It's not an option. It's almost <laughs> like when you always have turned to cigarettes to kind of de-stress when you're having a, a hard day and then you quit smoking. And then at some point, like you don't like, you would never consider, I'm not, I don't need to go out for a smoke. That's not something that I do anymore. Like that has been snipped off. And, and pruning is something that our brains do constantly anyway. Like even with memory, with different kinds of thoughts and emotions, like it, like you said, it wants to be efficient. It doesn't want to keep anything around. That's not going to be useful. Right. So it, it, when we're having these negative, uh, kinds of, um, patterns, it's because it thinks it's useful, (laughs) And it is, or it was at some point, it was useful at some point. I like to kind of consider it like an escape hatch. So like you're running along and every time something disturbing happens, you hit this really like hair trigger on the escape hatch and you go whoop through that door. And so we have to give your brain a different door to go through and kind of board up that escape hatch that it's been hitting every single time you go through this. Yeah. Or another uh, metaphor that I like to use is that you're just driving along on the freeway and there's all these different off ramps that you can go different places, except your car only wants to go to that same on ramp. Or sometimes you even try to go on a different off ramp and then it you end up in the same part of town anyway. And so we just have to put up some signs and block off that off ramp and offer you a different place to go and practice going that way and sometimes you need the support of your therapist your coach and other supportive people in your life to keep encouraging you to choose that other off ramp and right. support you along the way and then that's when it starts to become the new rut in your brain right. the one that you want there
1: Exactly. And for my for my coaching clients, some of the things that I tell them is, you know we could we could have an old thought and we need to get a new thought that is you know um, based on truth. Um, and one that is going to serve us and, and create better results in our lives, the kind of results that we want in our life. But sometimes that that's that, that we don't want to do a thought swap. Like that's just a band aid or behavior modification. We're not going to do that. Like it, this literally needs to come from the core. You need to have this in your belief system. So we'll work really hard on what do you believe? Like, look, what, what are, what are you believing that's feeling those thoughts? And it, with a thought, like I don't deserve this, or I am, I'm unworthy. Right. Um, you, you know, you can intellectually believe that as a believer, that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, that, uh, his atonement has covered you, that you are seated now on, you know, in heaven with him. Um, you can intellectually believe that, but, but not believe it in your, in, in your gut, right. In, in I your heart it. that, yeah. that it actually permeates everything that, that you do and think. So we always, you know, I always like to like, let's get back to the core belief system and you need to sit with the Lord about that. You know, you need to get with him and you need to find out um, what he says about you, who he says you are Mm -hmm. and let him love on you and change that because you can't just thought swap. It's just, it just doesn't work. It might do like I said, it's a band-aid for the moment, but literally it is your belief system. And why do you believe that way? And sometimes that's what actually leads my clients into back into therapy. Mm-hmm. And I've said I've, you know, so life coaching, the difference between life coaching and therapy is with life coaching, we don't spend a lot of time looking at our past. Right. We don't go back to the past and sit there and, and talk about that. Now, we do take a brief look to just see where there might be some patterns. But life coaching literally is we are taking your life right now. You're a high functioning person, right? You're able to get out of bed, right? You're not, you're not, you don't have suicide ideation. You are a functioning, part, but you want to take where you are today and you want to make it better for your future. So we're taking your life now and moving it forward. But there are some times where I get to with a client and I notice that there are things in the past that are, that need to be attended to some deep, deep, deep things. And I'll send them back to therapy because that sometimes is exactly where their core belief system needs to be changed. And it has to, we have to go back to do that. But sometimes it literally is that you can sit with the Lord and he can, he can really minister to your heart, right? And he can change those things by his spirit very, very quickly. And then that gives us new thoughts to believe, Hey, yes, I am worthy to be celebrated. I do deserve Someone, I can receive love from someone, uh, however that might look. Um, and and then that just changes the way that, you know, that you end up having experience your life, right? That changes the results of your life. So
0: um
1: yeah. Just to mention that if you're curious about
0: the differences between coaching and counseling or therapy, there is another episode on the Soul Grit podcast where I talked to Sue Bidstrup, another life coach out of Texas. And she uh, she and I went back and forth about like coaching can do this, but counseling can do this. And so if you're in a place where you know you need some help getting these thoughts and beliefs and Feelings changed, but you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Take a listen to that other episode and you can figure out who you need to go see.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have clients that are going to a therapist and seeing me at the same time. Yeah. And that um, was true for we, myself too. <laughs> right. And we work hand in hand really, really well. I mean, not that we get together as therapist and life coach to talk about, you know, the client, but it, it, it is definitely a, um, a, a beautiful match. Yeah yeah. 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 So I guess that's a good
0: transition point for me to ask you, like, uh, what are you doing now? And what, how can people kind of get more of you? Like, tell us about what, what you're doing now.
1: So, um, so I love, you know, I love how God works and I, and I was determined from the very beginning to make sure, and I would talk, talk to my, uh, my kids, my adult kids at the time, they were, um, all, you know, in their twenties when their husband took his, uh, when their father took his life. Um, but I told them from the get go, look, we're going to make this good. We're going to make this story good. I I don't know how that's going to happen. We're going to, but we're going to make it good. And. Uh, because right after his service, I was, I vividly remember, I can even see it now standing there talking to my youngest son and just saying, my life is over. I'm done. There's nothing more to live for. I don't want to let all my dreams and hopes, all the things that we had planned for the future, they're over. Right. I married this man and was with him for 30 years. We had plans for our future, building a house together, our retirement home, talking about grandchildren, all these things. And now he's gone and I have nothing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I really felt like my, this is it. I'm just done. I just might as well just have laid there with him and died with him. I'm gone. I'm done. And in that desperation, in that darkness is when God reached down to me and He whispered, "Trisha, you can have another beautiful life. Mm-hmm. And it may not look like it did for the last 30 years. And it may not look like what you had dreamed or hope for for the future, but it can be beautiful and it can be good if you'll follow me. And he literally like, you know, reached out his hand and I grabbed it. And, and just took one step and one step and one step and one step to healing. But that's when I determined when I said yes to that, I knew that with his help, I could do it. I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew if I followed him and allowed him in, into the restoration, into the healing that I could be healed and this could, this could happen. And then I determined that it was going to be for God's glory and that he was going to get, you know, there was going to be focus on him, on God and his healing and his restoration after severe tragedy and brokenness, Mm -hmm. because there were other people that was saying to me, how are you doing this? what are you doing? Like, how are you? Cause I was showing up on social media and just telling people about my, my journey to healing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so soon after that, I started my podcast, another beautiful life. Cause that's what he promised me I could have. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm standing on every single day is that I could have another beautiful life. I'm working towards that. Right. So I started this podcast, another beautiful life, and people started emailing and DMing and, and uh, over my website, Um, asking me, Hey, you just talked about this. I'm dealing with the same thing. Could you talk to me about that? And it led into life coaching. So I got certified. I had, I have two decades of mentoring women through women's ministry, as I mentioned before, but life coaching is very different. Um, and, but I do have that experience. So it was a natural progression for me. Um, and so I started, got certified and started life coaching. Um, and that is, again, my passion today is to integrate that brain science with the biblical faith. Um, and because a, a lot of times, and I've had even new believers, um, as clients that say, I can't figure out why I'm just, you know, I, I'm an, I'm a new Christian, but I'm, I'm still doing all the old stuff. I'm still acting the old way. I'm still having conflict with my family or whatever it is. And what we don't realize is that, so. We have all the promises of God. We have the Holy Spirit to help us change. We have the character of God. And we have the fullness of him in us, father, son, and Holy spirit. We have all the tools. Mm -hmm. We just don't know how to appropriate all of that because we've got all this brain gunk, right? We've got these things. And, and so that's when I think when the Bible, when, you know, it says, have your mind transformed, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It probably should have said dot, 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 and get a therapist or a life coach, by the way, (laughs) right. To help you do that. Because a lot of times, An
0: amplified version,
1: right? The amplified version, (laughs) the expanded version, exactly. Um, but you know what we don't understand, even as Christians, is we need help, we do need help in order to to expose the lies that we have been living in for so long. And of course, the help is by the Holy Spirit. When I say that I have inner knowing, it is not only my experience, but it is the, and, and that intuition, but it is the Holy spirit telling me exactly what to do and how to do it. Right. That's what he does. So, we have all these, we just need to learn to trust ourselves and learn to, to use the brain science that we know in order to get us out of that and get us on our way. So that's what I'm doing today. I do have a website, um, TrishaZodi.com. So if anyone was interested in finding out more about life coaching or about me particularly, or even as a speaker, you could go there. I've got tabs on all of that. I also talk a little bit about what life coaching is in particular, if you're very familiar with therapy. So it'll give you kind of that, that different picture about what life coaching is. Right. And we will have
0: all those links for the podcast and the website and all of that in the show notes. So if anybody is looking for it, one, one of the cool things about life coaching versus therapy, and you know, I'm all, all for therapy and it sounds like yeah. you are as well, yes. but I can only practice where my license is, which is California, but you can actually see people anywhere in the world with your certification. Um, The the regulations are just a little bit different in that way. So anybody who's listening can actually go on Trisha's website and see what she has to offer, book an appointment with you, get some coaching. So that's a really good opportunity. If you've liked what you've heard today, I hope that you... Look more into that. So, Tricia, our final question everybody gets asked the same question at the end. What are you doing for soul care?
1: Well, this is such a big one for me because um right after Brian died, I realized I'm a very um purpose-driven, task-oriented person. Mm-hmm. Go 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 do 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 type A Enneagram 3, you so know, so achiever, three, right? Right. Okay. There we go. <laughs> three See, we, as well. <laughs> we are twins yeah. and I love it. We're twins. 3 wing um, two. <laughs> So, it was very difficult for me to find a place in my life where I was not performing. Yeah. And some of that had to do with my upbringing as well. Right. Um, And I had to learn and allow the Lord when Jesus said, Tricia, I just need you to just sit with me, quit trying to be a human doing and be a human being and just sit with me. Let's sit in the back patio and listen to the birds together. This was like, like what? And I'm looking out there, I'm seeing the weeds and I want desperately to go out there and start pulling the weeds. And he's like, nope, girl, sit down sit down. Right. And so soul care for me, there's a book that I started reading was called um, soul keeping by John Ortberg. Mm -hmm. And it's based on Dallas Willard's um, quote, very famous quote that says, um, you need to radically uh, eliminate hurry from your life. Okay. So for me, that's what it is a practice. It is definitely something that I have to be intentional about and purposeful about is to slow down and create space in my life for nothingness. Mm-hmm that's soul care for me. Mm. Um, I have just come off of a 30 day challenge for myself in that every single night I would get into a lavender bath. Oh, wow. Okay. Now this is a big deal for me because sometimes I would, I just want to work until I fall you know, asleep, <laughs> but it's like, I had to make space and it had to be, and I know this sounds ridiculous because everyone's like, oh, I could totally do that for an hour, but I'm like, I have to 30 minutes. I have to soak in this bath with nothing, no radio, no TV, no, nothing, no phone, nothing right. Nothing going on, just me and my, and my, and Jesus right? and calm. And I was out of town several times. So I literally had to pack up my little lavender bath salts and take it with me and make sure that I had a bathtub in that hotel room oh, so you. that I could do my. So I did this on purpose because we know it takes that long to create a habit. And the habit literally is, it wasn't necessarily about the bath salts and the bath. It was about quieting myself and quieting my mind. Yeah. And so that's soul care for me every single time.
0: Okay. That gives, that gives me a good idea. I think we're really similar and I probably need to do that.
1: Yes. <laughs> and let me know how that goes. Okay.
0: I will. Well, thank you so much, Trisha, for being here and uh, lending your expertise and your heart.
1: And um, I hope that we can collaborate more in the future. Love to. We'd love that, Anne. Thank you so much. And thank you for your listeners uh, for being so generous to allow me on and, and hear my story. Yeah. They're going to love it. <laughs>
0: The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.